Welcome to the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Due to the rate of unnecessary C-sections, the lack of support, and limited options for VBAC moms in the hospital, more and more women are choosing to have their VBAC babies at home. This podcast was created for women to share and listen to stories of home birth after cesarean. I'm your host, Rachel Garrett. Today we're chatting with Alicia and she is going to share her five birth stories with us. So Alicia, do you just want to give us a little bit of an introduction? Sure. Um, my name's Alicia. I live in Pennsylvania. I'm uh, married. We have five children. Uh, our oldest is 14 and our youngest is five months. Uh, so they're kind of spread out. Um, I'm a stay at home mom. Uh, I am an RN, but I uh, kind of left uh, medicine back in 2017 and have been a, a stay-at-home mom ever since. And uh, birth is, is a passion of mine. It has been for many years. I love everything about it. And even when I think I'm sick of it, I'm really not because I can't stop reading and researching. And obviously I, I love having children. So <laughs> it's fun and it's challenging. It's, it's one of those things. I, I like to be challenged. So it's, um, you know, it ticks all the boxes for me. And I feel like there's always more to learn because oh gosh, birth yes. is different. Each experience is different. Mm -hmm. so there's just always so much that you can soak in from each birth experience. For sure. Just when I think I, I'm like, oh, I, I kind of think I have a good handle on everything. I think I know. It's, and then, you know, life throws me a curveball and I really, and I think, man, I, I really don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> are pretty active on Instagram. I yes, got to mention that just before we started chatting, but sure. do you want to talk a little bit about your Instagram account too? Just because I, I know that's been one that I really enjoy following. Sure. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, my handle is um, instinctual birthing. Uh, I started, I think sometime last year. Um, I have a nice little group of followers on there. I basically just share information, my own thoughts, feelings, beliefs about birth, medicine, pediatrics, children. And then I share if, if I find something that is good from other people on Instagram or articles or some, I have a lot of followers send me stuff. I share it if it resonates with me, because I think um, one of the biggest problems in the birth world is a lack of truthful and honest information. So I just try to share as much as I can you know, to get people to think and to do their own research, uh, not to necessarily change people's minds, but to at least get people to think, maybe think things, think about things in a different way. And then I, I do offer, I don't, I haven't started, sorry, my crying baby. Um, <laughs> I haven't um, started like a formal business or anything like that. I think that's probably in the future, but I do try, you know, if someone sends me um, questions or need some support, I am absolutely more than willing to do that. I, I'm in my DMs a lot, um, just helping people address their fears, uh, maybe working through some things, just offering support where I can. And that's what I really love. Whether it's during pregnancy, labor, I get a lot of, hey, I think my water broke. Can you, you know, what can you help, you know, can you help me just help me give, you know, give me peace of mind. And then also postpartum too, because I think that's, that's kind of a, area that's really lacking in our culture and society also. So awesome. yeah. Very cool. Thank you. 
Well, I'll definitely link that in the show notes too, just so if any listeners want to follow you. Like I said, I really enjoyed following your account. Well, thank you. you. added a little bit on Instagram. Thank you. So um, yeah. a good resource out there for other women. So, well, thank you. Yeah. Well, I why don't you take that. us just to wherever you want sure. to start with, with your journey? Sure. Sure. Um, okay. So my oldest is, she'll be 15 in September. I was 22 when I had her it was kind of one of those things like I just went through the motions never questioned anything I was seeing an OB um I did seed wives in the practice and I was you know whatever they told me I was like okay this is you know I believe this this is great I'm just going to do whatever you tell me to do I had a very healthy uneventful pregnancy I, I did have I say healthy and uneventful uh I did have um hyperemesis is pretty severe the first six months. And then it kind of was like a light switch and just suddenly went away. So I, I had lost like 30 pounds in the beginning of that pregnancy, but then I, I gained it back because I was like, man, I can eat and this is great. So I just ate everything. But uh, around the 40 week mark, the induction words started being thrown around and my mom was induced with me and I was a C-section. And I remember my mom like shaking her head because she came to the doctor with me. She was like, I really would not do that if I were you. And I was like, yeah, but they're telling me I should. So I'm going to do it. Well, I ended up having a a 32 hour Pitocin induced labor and birth. I had um, tons of IV medications. I had two epidurals, um, purple pushed. I had an episiotomy. I had a very big tear. And I just remember holding my baby after that thinking, this is not at all how birth is supposed to be. And at that time I had not done any research. So I totally went into it blind and I thought, wow, I am like so disconnected from my baby. Um, She was very lethargic. Um, She was totally drugged. Uh, we had a heart, we had a very difficult breastfeeding journey the whole time. And I just, that kind of lit a fire under me to really start researching and think, and, and I began to think, you know, there is something wrong with this picture here. This, I am not okay with this. If I'm going to keep having kids, I just, I cannot do this again. So then actually there was a really big gap between her and my second child who was seven. So that was it's almost seven years between them. So then my uh, second child comes along and I wanted to have a home birth, but my husband was really reluctant. And we lived at the time we lived like 45 minutes away from the closest hospital. And my husband was like, he's like, I, you know, you can do whatever you want to do, but I just, I don't know. I, it makes me kind of nervous. And I was like, ah, you know, it's like, ah, just get on board with me, you know, please. But at the same time, there was a piece of me that was not 100% okay staying home. I had not really um, dug into those fears and really addressed them hardcore. There was still a piece of me that was kind of like, okay, I, I don't know if I can really not go to the hospital. Um, they started talking induction around the 40 week mark. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not, I'm not having an induction. So I ended up going into labor at 41 weeks. He was almost my latest 41 weeks and six days. And I, 
my labor began at midnight one night and my husband and my oldest, they were asleep and it was my favorite labor to date. It was quiet. It was dark. I was alone and it was great. Uh, I worked through the surges alone and I, and I really love that because I'm kind of a lone birther. I, you know, some, some women need support and need someone there. Um, but I'm one of those people. I just, you know, don't, don't really mess with me or talk to me until, you know, I say that I need you, which is usually at the very end. And we ended up going to the hospital. We drove the, the 45 minutes and every bump was absolutely awful. And when I got there, it was uh, with a midwife that was, a, she was exactly the midwife that I loved because she was very hands-off and very relaxed. And she said, do you want me to check you? And I said, sure. Cause I knew I was kind of getting close to transition. I was eight centimeters when I got to the hospital. Um, and then, um, an hour and a half late, later, my, um, baby was born. It was a boy. He's my only boy, um, a nine, nine pound, five ounce baby. And I remember I felt this urge to kind of get on my knees and I looked at her and I said, is it okay if I get on the bed on my knees? And she, she said, you can do whatever you want to do. And I thought, wow, yes, that's, that is how it's supposed to be, you know? Um, so I just hopped up on the bed and pushed my baby out within a couple of minutes. And I was like this. So it was, it was in the hospital, but totally unmedicated. And that really just rocked my world. I was like, I had a birth high that was unlike any other. He had a great latch. We had no issues with breastfeeding. He was so um, alert. And I thought, wow, what it, it was a night and day difference between my first birth and my second birth. So I, I said to my husband, I remember saying this in the hospital. I said, if we have any more kids, I said, they're going to be at home. And he said, yeah, he goes, we should have just done, we should have done this at home. So uh, a couple of years later, uh, I get pregnant with our, our third and uh, we're living in this little tiny apartment. It was a, it was a great pregnancy a healthy pregnancy. I, I stayed pretty active. Um, I didn't gain very much weight. I felt really good. And, uh, I found a really, really living in Connecticut. We live in Pennsylvania now. We were in Connecticut at the time when she was born and I found a really good group of midwives and they were very relaxed and kind of on, uh, you know, at the time they were what I needed. So around 41 weeks and three days, I started having those familiar sensations and, um, I had my first home birth with, um, a seven pound, 15 ounce baby girl. And that was amazing because I remember taking a shower after, after a few hours of snuggling my and nursing my baby. And I birthed the placenta and, um, I gave the baby to my husband and I just like bebopped into the shower and then got in my bed. And I thought, man, this this is the life right here, you know, snuggling my baby in my own bed, nobody hassling me, midwives cleaned everything up, my mom made us food, um, it was like at three in the morning, <laughs> and I remember eating like eggs and toast at three in the morning, and it was just great, uh, and I thought, wow, why would anyone want to do it any other way, and then I felt at that kind of yearning to maybe start talking to other women about it, saying, hey, you know, there is another way if you want to do it this way, you know, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, so medicalized. 
you know, there, there are other alternative ways that, you know, can maybe um, bring you more joy. I do have two questions for you. Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, sure. No. <laughs> so my first one is how far along were you when your third was born? Cause you said you went to 41 and six. Uh, so yeah, I was 41 and six with my second and she was 41 and four, I think. Okay. Okay. Or maybe it was. If, my yeah. other question is since you had the unmedicated hospital birth and had that birth high and felt really good after that birth and then went on to home birth. Is there anything of significance that you would point out between the two? Because I often hear a lot of women say like, well, I had a great hospital birth. So why would I ever consider a home birth? Which is totally fine. I mean, if women want to have their babies in the hospital, that's a hundred percent their choice. But sure. curious if there was any significance between the two that kind of swayed you and pushed you more towards the home birth side of things after having that home birth with your third? Sure. And I think, um, for me, the biggest thing was for me, and this is, this is purely my personal perspective. This is not everyone's perspective, but I think, um, at the, I would, I, uh, graduated nursing school, uh, when I was, when I had just found out I was pregnant with my second. So I, and I had been working in the hospital for many years before that. So I kind of had this really good grip of, you know, allopathic medicine, the hospital world, that kind of stuff. And I felt with my second, even though you know, I got the myth that I wanted, and even though it was a really great birth, um, there was this power struggle, this um, unspoken kind of tensity that I did not like. Um, I'm a very independent person by nature. And I like to, I march to the beat of my own drum and I didn't want to have to, I don't want to have to ask anybody permission to do anything. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I knew that that kind of mindset is really not compatible with the hospital, whether it's in obstetrics or or anywhere, because there is a hierarchy, whether we acknowledge it or not, there is. And I didn't like the whole, there's an authority over me you know, I still have parameters. I still have, you know, rules that I have to, you know, somewhat follow, you know, there's a timeline in the hospital and I, and I didn't want any of that. You know, I didn't want somebody asking me, you know, 500 times, you know, do you want, we're going to, you know, give your baby eye ointment. Do you want your baby circumcised? All these things. I'm like, I, I just wanted to completely remove, or even the temptation to have medication. That was the thing for me too. I wanted to completely remove those things totally out of view. I didn't even want the temptation to be there. So that's what I, and that was really the driving force between my second and third and, and why I chose home birth the third time or for the third birth. One more follow-up question too. Sure. Just hearing you say that, I know the other thing I hear from a lot of women is well, my doctor wouldn't let me go past right. 41 weeks or right. arbitrary date they set. So since yeah. you went to that 41 and four and 41 and six mark, was there any type of conversation there or how did you advocate for yourself in that situation? Oh, yeah, there were lots of conversations. Uh, but then I got to the point with my second where I made the choice myself that there was not going to be a, a conversation any longer. Um, I kind of, you know, they would say, oh, well, you know, you should be induced, you know, you don't want to have a big baby, you don't want to, you know, all these things, all the, you know, the things that you hear so much of, 
preeclampsia, you know, your placenta is too old, all, you know, these are kind of things that are kind of the norm that are mentioned. Once you go past that 40 week mark, it's like, oh, well, all these problems start to arise. And I just didn't buy into any of that. And I remember uh, telling the main OB that I saw the majority of the time um, with my second that I am not having an induction. Do not ask me again. If you ask me again, we're going to have problems because I am the authority. This is my birth. You're only a tool in a very giant toolbox. And, you know, I, I had to get a little, I had to get really firm and they, and they backed off and, you know, and that was okay because, you know, I was going to do it the way I wanted to do it anyway. Uh, with my third and the home birth, they mentioned, you know, it was more of a question. It wasn't, you know, oh, you need to have an induction. It was kind of like, well, do you want to get things going? Do you want to maybe try this? And I was like, no, I really don't. And it was like, okay, you know, no pressure, which I, I liked that it was a question because it should be a question. It shouldn't be a tell. It should be an ask. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of, you know, yeah. I love what you said too about you're the authority. You're the one making the choices. You're the right, right. Your doctor is just a tool because I think a right. lot of people get that. Like you hire your doctor. They work for absolutely you, not the other way around. Yes, but it's hard to navigate that sometimes because, like earlier, how you were saying the hierarchy in a hospital, and you feel like they're this authority figure, and it can be a hard thing to stand up for yourself. So good for you for for being firm and saying that the just the the confidence to say like, we're not having a conversation about this anymore. Like I, I've made my decision and you need to respect that or we're going to. Right. Right. And I've, I think of all the questions that I get, um, on, on my Instagram page, that's probably the number one. Mm -hmm. My doctor or my midwife is telling me this and I don't want to do it. What do I do? Just say no. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's really, you know, I offer a little bit more guidance than just say no, but, um, it's not up to them. It's up to you. Right. You know, you're not at their mercy. They are, you know, this is your birth. And I, I say this a lot on my page, you know, you only get this birth one time. There are no do-overs. Make good choices. Well, thank you for answering. That. I appreciate <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Those are good questions. Thank you. <laughs> so then take us to your first pregnancy. Sure. Uh, so yeah, my fourth, uh, we were back in Pennsylvania at that time. It was uh, an uneventful, healthy pregnancy. It was in the summertime. She was born in August. So we were at the pool every day and, you know, walking and around the 32 week mark, I started thinking, okay, I don't think this baby is head down. I think this baby's doing some kind of crazy stuff. And at that time I was not a chiropractor regularly. So, um, I, I did have a midwife at that time too. And I talked to her and she's like, I really think this baby is transverse. So I was like, all right. So I started doing, um, spinning babies, which I talk a lot about them. They have, they have a site and an Instagram page, but, um, they are awesome. They offer great, um, ideas and tips, just daily pregnancy exercises to help baby stay in a optimal position. If you have a breech baby, or if you have a transverse baby, there's all kinds of things that you can do on there to really help baby move. I think in my mind at that time, I was not really 
I was not proactive enough. So I wasn't like really diligently working with the spinning babies. I wasn't really serious about the chiropractor at that time. So I was just kind of like, eh, whatever. I, I, I really looking back, I really don't understand why I was so kind of nonchalant about that. I wasn't really, I don't know. I, I really can't speak for my frame of mind at that time. Like why looking back, I go, why, why didn't I really stick to those things? Why didn't I really try to, you know, get baby to at least be vertical, you know, instead of transverse. But, um, so she was kind of flip-flopping between, um, head down and transverse. And, um, so my midwife was like, well, do you want to go for an ultrasound? Uh, do you want to just see where baby is? Do you want to see if maybe, you know, the cord is wrapped a lot and she's tangled up and isn't able to move, you know, vertically or anything. And I was like, yeah, sure. Fine. So I went for an ultrasound and baby was head down at that time. I was like, what the heck is going on with this baby? So that was around 35, 36 weeks. I think I went for that ultrasound and she seemed to stay head down until about two days before I went into labor. And I, she did like some crazy move in the middle of the night. And I, and I knew I was like, this baby is just, this baby is just not going to be in the right position. This baby's going to just stay transverse. And she got into that groove and I just don't think she was wanting to move. You know, there are, sometimes there are reasons for that. And I think a lot of it had to do with my, um, my body alignment, because we have all, you know, we have all these muscles and round ligaments and things. And if they're too loose, if they're too tight, uh, that can cause, you know, issues for the position of the uterus and where the baby's at inside the uterus. So I ended up going into labor and it was kind of right. My, that my sweet spot, I like to say is around the 41, 41 and change somewhere around in there. I think I was 41 and four with her and, um, I was laboring. I was feeling really good, but I was not getting the, uh, for anyone that's had, um, gone through all of the, the labor, you know, you start getting the pressure, you know, the, the pressure on your cervix, the pressure on your bottom. I wasn't getting that. I was having intense uh, surges, but I was not getting that downward pressure. So I was like, okay, I know she's transverse. So I called my midwife and she goes, do you want me to check you? I'm like, yes, because I, I tried checking myself and I could not feel anything. And so I did a little bit more walking around. And so my midwife came and she goes, okay, so let's just see. So she checked me and she goes, okay, well, I have good news and bad news. I'm like, just give it to me straight. And she said, well, you're 10 centimeters, but I can feel your baby's hand and shoulder. I was like, ah, oh. so I hopped off the bed and my mom happened to be here at the time. So she was with my other kids. And I told my husband, I said, we got to go to the hospital. My bag of waters were intact. So that was good. But I ended up having a C-section because you know, it's kind of hard for a baby that's sideways or, you know, shoulder stuck to come out. Mm -hmm. So that was my C-section. And I can say having the other births that I've had, and I will say too, at this point, I had had two miscarriages also, uh, one being at 16 weeks um, in which I hemorrhaged. Uh, so I had, you know, I had like this wide array of birth experiences and I, I was just felt totally defeated. And I remember going into the hospital and I had no fear. 
I was completely at peace. I wasn't crying. I just was very matter of fact. I was like, okay, we have to do this. The doctor was very nice, very kind. And she said, well, do you mind if I check you? I said, sure, go ahead. So I let her check me and she was just amazed. She's like, I have never felt an arm and shoulder presentation before. This is, you know, I was kind of like a spectacle. It's kind of like, you know, people were, all the med students were talking about, wow, this is amazing. I'm like, no, it's really not amazing. But (laughs) um, I remember kind of yelling orders out at everybody. It was kind of a blur from, from the time I got to the hospital, from the time I was in surgery was about 30 minutes. It seemed at the time that it was like hours, but my husband was like, no, it was, it was like you were, they had you in and out pretty fast. My husband was telling nurses, you know, don't do this, don't do this, you know, listen to what she says. Um, so I made sure that I was calling all the shots, even in that situation. And they were very respectful because I think they knew that my, in my tone, I was serious and I was not. I was not going to back down. You know, things were going to be the way I wanted them to be, even in this situation. And it was kind of interesting or fortunate that I said, um, as soon as the baby is out and I wasn't able to sit so that I couldn't get an epidural. So they had to do um, general anesthesia. So I was completely under, but they were kind of doing renovation on their OBOR suite. So they kind of had like this makeshift cardboard plastic wrapped door where like the OR was. And then right on the other side of that door was where they sat my husband and they had like a big cutout window. So he was actually able to see everything. And I told the the doctors and, and the nurses, I said, as soon as the baby comes out, give the baby to my husband, no stops go. And my husband was sat there and watched. He said, they, they did exactly that. They um, waited, a, waited about a minute, he said, for the cord, cut the cord and wrapped her up and handed her to my husband. Um, she was nine pounds, 12 ounces and um, a beautiful baby girl. She's two now, uh, almost three. And um, when I woke up, I felt like I had been hit by a truck. And the comparison between that recovery and my other births, there's just no comparison. Um, I was, I mean, obviously very sore because C-section, I think a lot of people have a mis have this misconception that, oh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, well, it's, it's, you know, not that bad or, you know, and for some, you know, it's, it's different for every person. For some, it's, you know, totally fine. Some people, you know, bounce back really fast and others, you know, there's all kinds of other issues. I didn't have any issues with my incision or anything like that, but I remember thinking this absolutely stinks to be recovering from a major abdominal surgery and taking care of a newborn. That was like really rough for me. It kind of like, I remember saying to my husband, I don't know why someone would want to do this, like electively choose to do this. I, I, I don't understand having had the other births that I've had and then to have that, I was kind of like, wow. I mean, I have so much respect for women that do have (laughs) C-sections because it is not easy. It is, it's not easy at all. My mom had two, one with me and one with my sister. And thank God she was, she stayed with us for a few weeks and she was, was like, I feel so bad for you because I know, you know, couldn't stand up straight for a while. 
you know, walking around hunched over, had to let someone else carry the baby everywhere. Um, but our baby was, was good. Huh? She was a healthy baby. Um, she breastfed well. She had no issues. She was a kind of a, she was a big chunky baby and liked to eat. So that was, that was a blessing for sure, because I was concerned that because, you know, with the drugs, once again, she was going to be, you know, were we going to have latch issues? Was she going to be super lethargic? And, and she wasn't. Uh, so I was grateful for that. Uh, so I, after that had a miscarriage about a year later, and then I found out I was pregnant again with my most recent baby who she's now five months. And when I found out I was pregnant with her, it was not even a question of whether or not I was going to have a home birth. Uh, I mean, the thought to have a birth anywhere else never even crossed my mind. And I was like, I kind of, we kind of went back and forth with free birth, but I just, I didn't know if I wanted to free birth at that time or not. I, I was like, you know, I'm just not sure if I'm ready for that. You know, I'm, I kind of want someone there as a witness, someone there to just support me, you know? So uh, a doula friend of mine, she says, Hey, I know this really awesome midwife who, who was not the midwife. Uh, it's a different midwife that I have with my third. And the one who I also had with my fourth that saw me my entire pregnancy, um, it was a different midwife that I had found. She has, she supports women that, you know, choose to free birth. She's awesome. You should check her out. So I ended up meeting up with this midwife. And as soon as I talked to her, I'm like, yep, she's the one. There was just something about her. We agreed on everything. Our views of birth and all the things were complete alignment. So... I ended up going, let's see, she was born December 8th of 2020. I was 40, 42 weeks and two days. So she was my longest baked baby. And I had her um, standing up in my shower. And I had a, a dream uh, a few nights before I went into labor that I was standing in my shower and I had a big baby with a head full of black hair. And that was exactly the way it was. She was 10 pounds, 14 ounces. And it was probably the most intense labor and birth I've ever had, but also the most healing. It just kind of, it crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's for me. I was like, wow, I, I had a home birth after a C-section to a big baby standing in my shower with my husband and a midwife that I loved beside me. And also my 14 year old daughter was there. She was kind of my doula and um, they were so supportive and it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Leading up to that labor, had you had any fears about like the previous C-section yeah. and being at home. And I know a lot of women talk about like the risks of rupture and were you still like that yeah. 45 minutes or so away from the hospital too? No, we were actually, we were living in a different place. So we were actually like two miles from a hospital. Oh, so we're, okay. we're, yeah. So we were super close, but no, the thought of rupture or the fear of rupture was never a thing. The fear of her being transverse was a thing. Mm. Like, um, yeah, that's another thing. I'm glad you asked that question. So from the moment I found out I was pregnant, I started doing the spinning, the spinning babies, pregnancy daily exercises every day and found a chiropractor. So those were the two major differences from my fourth pregnancy to my, my fifth. 
and I could totally contribute her being in optimal position. I mean, she was like in perfect position. I mean, she was um, LOA, you know, on the left side, head down exactly how, you know, she needed to be. And, you know, the, the labor was, it was intense, but it was, it was amazing. Her birth was, was absolutely amazing. How long was the labor from yeah. beginning to end? Do you remember? Yeah, it was about 12 hours. So my, my shortest was nine hours and that was my second, but they've all been around. The others were kind of around the 12, 15 hour mark. I've always, I've always thought, man, you know, as many babies I've had, I, I kind of want a really fast labor, <laughs> but you know, that, that, that comes with its own things too. You know, your body has to do a lot of work in a very short amount of time. So it's even more intense, you know? So I just was like, oh, you know what, whatever, whatever I'm supposed to have is what I'll get. So yeah, it was about 12 hours start to finish. Will you and, uh, through the labor a little bit? Like how did it yeah, start sure. and then just leading up to birth? Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. I got to think here for a second. Uh, time-wise in my head. Okay. So I had went to, I had a, a midwife appointment that day and um, we just listened to baby and she's like, you know, I want to, you know, just see if I can feel the head. And I think I had that, you know, I'm not a fan of cervical checks, but I had this thing in my, in my head. I was like, you know, if this gives me peace, I'm like, I don't want to know dilation or anything like that. I just want to see, you know, can you feel, you know, a hard, a hard surface. <laughs> and she said, uh, yeah, you know, I'll check if you want me to. So I said, sure. I said, cause I had been kind of internally checking myself for the last few days. Cause I could feel the pressure. You know, I knew she, she was moving down and she goes, yeah, I, I, I am almost a hundred percent positive that I can feel her head. I was like, okay. So that just gave me peace of mind. And I started having, we went on a long walk after I got home and shortly thereafter, I started having some nice surges. I had been having like some surges here and there. Not, I wouldn't say not really prodromal labor, but kind of, you know, here and there, very sporadic, but then they became pretty intense and pretty regular early on. And not all my labors, I will say, had, were regular as far as timing. Um, that's another thing I talk about. Um, you know, some women never really, never experienced regular timed contractions. With my second, they were never regular. But I knew, I always say quality over quantity. It was the quality of contraction. That's what matters. And so I knew when they started this time that, okay, the, this is the real deal. You know, my, my uterus is working hard. Let's see, that was about lunchtime, I would say. And then around 9 p.m., I uh, called my midwife and said, you know, if you want to come over, come on over. So she did. And at this point, they were intense enough that I was having to vocalize and I was kind of in my own world. So I, every, my midwife, she was kind of like laying on my bed, you know, watching TV on her phone. My mom and my sister were here, my husband and my kids are kind of like, you know, in and out, even though it was like, they were, they were all very excited. So we just let them, you know, do whatever they wanted to do. I kind of um, hung out in my bathroom. I had my birth ball in there and I had um, noise canceling headphones on with, uh, I had a labor playlist playing, which my labor playlist was kind of like (laughs) uh, funk music and hip hop because I just, I don't know, that was kind of my thing. I didn't want to hear peaceful, calm music at that time. I, I didn't feel that it was productive for me. And I labored in there. Um, I would go from the shower 
to the toilet, to the birth ball. And I just kind of kept doing those three things over and over and over again. And um, my midwife, she, she would just, you know, peek her head in every once in a while just to look at me. And that was, that was really it. And then around midnight, I got in the shower and, you know, I started feeling the urge to bear down and uh, my body was just kind of, my body was doing it all on its own. I, I wasn't having to forcefully push at all. I just kind of tried to breathe baby down and out and really kind of just surrender, which is a very hard thing to do. Surrender and just let your body do it, you know, cause you kind of just want to, I'm one of those people when it gets to the end, I just kind of want to push the baby out and get it over with, you know? Um, but my husband was, was, uh, there at the time, right in front of my face. And I remember him, he was like stroking my hair and he had a cold wash rag on my face and neck, which was probably one of the best things ever at that time. And he said, just take a deep breath and just breathe slow. And I, and one time I think I was kind of starting to hyperventilate cause I started getting, you know, letting it get to my head. And my husband goes, Alicia, just breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. And that was like the best thing that he could have done because then I was able to totally relax and just let it go. And then she was born shortly after midnight. It was it, from that point on, it was about from when I started feeling a little pushy to when she was out was about 20 minutes. And I just like picked her, my, my midwife and my husband, we all, cause I was standing. So they kind of like, they both kind of caught her and I kind of caught an arm and then I just pulled her up to my chest and it was just, it was amazing. I was standing in my shower holding my, my baby, which I thought was like, eh, I guess maybe nine and a half, you know, she was 10, 14. So I was like, man, my, my weights are way off, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah. So that was, um, that was pretty much it. <laughs> and what an awesome support from your husband. Oh yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. 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 He's, he's very, um, he's a very relaxed, chill person, but I really needed him to kind of look me in the eye and say, Hey, relax, you know, breathe. It's okay. You're safe, chill. And that really helped me out a lot. Yeah. So then how has this postpartum time been for you since this baby's only five months old? You said, yeah, it's been. So another thing I want to touch on is you know, bleeding postpartum, um, with my, with my placenta, my placenta, let's see, I broke my placenta. I was kind of laying on my gave a nice push and placenta just basically flew out. <laughs> but, um, I did have, you know, bleeding, the amount of bleeding is really not Im- as important as how the mother is feeling. And I felt pretty depleted, I would say. Um, you know, I, I, would I say I had significant blood loss? I mean, I don't, maybe I would say, you know, probably a pretty good amount. I think if I were in, in the hospital, they probably would have gotten a little freaked out, but I didn't feel horrible, but I did feel really tired. And I think that was probably the biggest difference between that birth and my other births, um, or besides the first one, my other, my home birth and uh, my other unmedicated hospital birth. I felt pretty tired the first couple of days. So I had lots of people bringing me um, nourishing foods. And I decided this time too, that I was going to hang in the bed for as long as I could. And I did. And I'm so glad that that I did. 
baby and I, we hung out in my bed. Um, my husband, he, he got a TV and put it on my dresser for me. So I had a TV up here and my mom stayed with us for a couple of weeks to help with the kids. And uh, my sister, she would come and take the kids to go. So baby and I hung out in the bed for probably a good two weeks before I went downstairs. And um, then I just kind of laid around, I'd you know, come upstairs and take a nap or lay on the couch and take a nap. And I was like, you know, this time I've always had a really good support system, which I'm grateful for, for. And I think I've always maybe just been like, well, you know, I, I don't need to take as much time. I'll, you know, I'll start doing laundry in a couple of weeks or something like that. I didn't this time. And I, I'm glad that I really just took that time to savor the baby and to heal and rest and recoup because that's really what you need. Even if you have, you know, a, a totally awesome, you know, no issues, totally uneventful, uncomplicated labor and birth, you know, your body has just gone through so much. You really need that time to rest and recoup. And, um, and baby needs that too, because baby needs mom, you know? So I kind of just let everybody else do everything and relinquished my control and baby and I just, you know, hung out ourselves. And that's awesome for bonding too. Yeah, like absolutely. Like physical recovery, but just mm-hmm. bonding with your baby. Of course. Like uninterrupted skin to skin time where you just get to know each other. That's, you can't replicate that any other way. No, no. Uh, it's probably one of the most important things I would say about postpartum. Um, you know, I just, and it was nice to just be, people would come, you know, and like drop off food. And, you know, they would kind of chit chat to everybody downstairs, you know, a few people I let come up and that's, that I'm glad I mentioned that a few people I would let come up, you know, a few close friends and stuff, our chiropractor, he came over and, and adjusted baby. Um, but everybody else just kind of stayed downstairs and, you know, I needed those boundaries to be set. You know, I really wanted baby and I to have our time and I'm really glad that I was pretty firm about that. You know, I, I sat in my bed with no shirt on you know, and a, and a diaper (laughs) sitting on a, on a bat pad on my bed for, you know, those two weeks and just, you know, yeah, like you said, skin, skin, just baby was, you know, on my chest, Mm -hmm. you know, or right beside me the whole time. I'm glad that you mentioned that too, because that's something we spend so much time Mm -hmm. prepping for labor and birth. And then you kind of forget about postpartum or it's just not something that's talked about. Yeah. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because it is just as important. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would say that, you know, I mean, it's all connected, you know, uh, our, our pregnancy, how we, how we labor, how we birth directly affects our postpartum and our bond with our babies. And I think, you know, some people, uh, I'll, I'll, I still get questions from people about, you know, all oh, my, my mother-in-law or my mom or, you know, my sister or whatever, you know, they want to be with me at the birth or they want to, you know, hold the baby right after birth, or they want to, come and hang and stay for, you know, five hours, you know, after I've had the baby. And I'm like, you don't have to do any of that. You know, this is still your birth. If you don't want that, you just say, no, you know, that's not what we need right now. And I would appreciate it if, you know, you would just give us some space and some time to bond. Mm -hmm. And I think when you say it like that, you know, especially when you make it about the bonding, people are more receptive to that. Cause I think that's another misconception. You know, I think, a lot of times in the hospital that, you know, the baby is wrapped up and whisked away and, you know, given to somebody else. And that's really not the best thing for the baby or for the mom, because, you know, 
babies need mom, of course, but mom needs baby just as much as baby needs mom. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget that often, you know, uh, a mom in postpartum needs her baby. Yeah, that's a really good point. Even if you just look at, you kind of talked earlier about the postpartum bleeding and Mm -hmm. one of the things you can do to help absolutely help your uterus is nursing and having skin to skin and i mean if you look into like all the different pheromones and things like that being passed between baby and mom Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. something that helps your body heal yes that's so true anything else that you can think of that you want to add or i (sighs) you kind of mentioned a little bit of this just as we were talking but any advice or insight or anything like that for women who are exploring options or considering a home birth that you that you would want to say addressing fears is probably one of the most important things because i think so much in our culture is fear based and not fact and evidence based um and birth and obstetrics is is like almost at the top of that list because so many so much of the decisions and choices we make surrounding birth are fear based they're not evidence-based. And I think it's important to research, you know, whatever your fear is, you know, if it's shoulder dystocia or, you know, whatever, research that really dig into it. And then remember that it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to have fears. You know, you're never going to be 100% fear free, but I think it's important to make peace with those fears because our thoughts determine our lives. The way we think about things we can self-sabotage really easy, you know, um, especially when it comes to our birth. If we have this idea that, you know, it's not going to go well, or it's going to be horrible, or it's going to be painful or whatever, that will happen. So we need to, um, you know, be aware of that, that it's okay to be afraid that we can work through those fears and, be at peace with those fears and still get the births that we want. And then, you know, I think, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, okay. <laughs> I think that's where a good support team comes into with mm-hmm. absolutely you process through those fears. If they mm-hmm. happen to come up when you're in labor or absolutely birth, like having people that remind you why you made these decisions or why you wanted to have the type of birth that you planned for because mm-hmm. sometimes they can sneak up on you a little bit if you haven't processed through them or I mean even if you have mm-hmm. oh yeah absolutely it happens mm-hmm. yeah yeah because pregnancy I mean a birth a pregnancy too and labor I mean all it's like everything is pushed up and out you know anything that you have you know any past traumas or issues that you have it's, it's coming out you know, because it, you were so emotionally and physically vulnerable at that time. I'm glad you mentioned about the support team. You know, it's really important that we surround ourselves with people who are 100% in alignment with us. If we have people in our births or at our births that are fearful themselves, that will manifest in our birth environment. And we will feel that. You know, I, I think of past births, like with my third, my, uh, my other home birth, my husband was a little anxious. And I remember saying to him, you know, I, I can sense that you are tense and you need to go somewhere else because it's, it's, you know, it's kind of messing up my birth flow here. You know, you got to go for a walk or something. 
And he did. And that's, and you know, that's what I needed to do at that time. But yes, remember that you are the authority and surround yourself with people that truly support you and want you to have the birth that you want. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, don't surround yourself with people out of, you know, fear or because you feel obligated to have them there. You know, you're not obligated to have anyone there. You know, if you want to birth in your backyard, you know, between two trees alone, then you do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you don't have to, you know, do anything to make anyone else happy. It's not about them. Right. So, yeah. Well, thank you so but, yeah. much for being oh, willing thank to you. share all of your birth stories with us. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel. I appreciate it too. Yeah. I, I hope it, you know, helps. Um, I hope it helps other women, you know, and in, in some small way to, you know, maybe think about birth in a different way or, you know, give them hope that, yes, you can have a home birth. Yes, you can have a V-back. Yes, you can do it. You can do it. Um, you have to put your mind to it. You have to say, I am going to do this and do it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're interested in sharing your home birth after cesarean story, send us an email at hbacpodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.